I'd like to invite up Sophia and Dahlia and Waka for our scripture reading today. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judah, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth. Peace to men on whom his favor rests. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our speaker this morning is our pastor. Now, she's actually been officially ministerial standing with the ECC, and so we changed her title to Pastor of Children and Family Ministries, if I have it correct. But uh, Kelly will bring our word this morning. Let's offer a prayer for her. Lord, we thank you, Father. We thank you for Kelly. We thank you for the gifts you've given her. We thank you for your word. And we pray, Lord, that she will proclaim it faithfully, Lord, that she will speak what is on her heart in a powerful way and give us open hearts to hear. Speak to each one of us in the way we need to hear. We bless you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. I never say the word hark in my day-to-day life. I can't, I can't think of a time that I've ever used the word hark unless it was part of a script. It's just it's not a word I use. But it means listen, pay attention, and take notice. A herald's an official messenger, someone bringing news, a royal herald bringing news from the palace to the regular folk like us. Hark the herald, angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Let's listen again to what the Gospel writer Luke tells us happened when Jesus was born. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord, This will be a sign to you you'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Hark, pay attention. The royal messengers have something important to say. Now Charles Wesley wrote the original words to Hark the Herald Angels Sing in 1739. So Charles and his brother John Wesley are 
best known for being early leaders of the Methodist movement, but Charles in particular was known for his hymn writing. He wrote over 6,500 hymns. I can't get my mind around that. 6,500 hymns. Almost all of the lyrics we sing today in Hark the Herald Angels Sing were written by Wesley, but that first opening line was actually edited by his friend George Whitfield about 20 years after Wesley first wrote it. There's George. He went to the same, same wig maker, I think. All right, so Whitfield was a, co- a colleague of the Wesleys, a powerful preacher, a revivalist, a missionary to the American colonies. Wesley wrote the bulk of the song, but Whitfield edited it, including that very first, which is now very famous, line. So Wesley's original line, I looked up in case you're wondering, was, Hark how all the welkin rings. Maybe you know what a welkin is. <laughs> I didn't know what a welkin was, so I looked it up. Um, but a welkin, it's an old English word that means the firmament of the sky or the heavens. So the welkin rings is an expression used to talk about an exuberant sound that fills the heavens. So we can thank George Whitfield for clearing that up for us. Now, even with their sometimes out-of-date and weird language, I love old hymns. And one thing that I love about Christmas is the hymns. It's a time of year where kids and adults sing hymns together. Last Sunday, we had our kids join with our worship team, and they sang, O Come All Ye Faithful, another old hymn. It was originally written in Latin in 1740. And 280 years later, we've got preschoolers and elementary students and adults all gathered together singing these hymns. And the great thing about these hymns is that they're loaded with theology. Charles Wesley had a gift for digging into the scripture and finding the truth in it and turning it into poetry. Now, I'm guessing that most of us here are pretty familiar with the Christmas story that we read from Luke's gospel. Mary and Joseph had to travel to Bethlehem for a census. Um, This is why they were there. They were from Nazareth. There was a census, so they had to go to their hometown. Joseph was from the family line of David, so that's where they had to go. Now, there are a lot of amazing and miraculous events surrounding the birth of Jesus, and this visit from the angels to the shepherds is right up there at the top of the list. Now, besides the fact that it would be amazing any time a heavenly host of angels would show up, these angels are delivering royal news. These are heaven's messengers that are coming to bring good news that the king has been born. So this is like the equivalent of heaven's royal birth announcement. Hark, pay attention, because the royal herald is here with news. Now, when a baby is born, the world changes. That baby touches the lives of all the people around them. When a royal baby is born, that circle widens, and the impact of that baby's life is automatically more far-reaching, right? But when Jesus is born, his impact is on everyone, every single person. So Wesley puts it beautifully. The angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinner reconciled. This is what the newborn king signifies, peace on earth and the reconciliation between God and us. Joyful all ye nations rise and join the triumph of the skies. The angels tell the shepherds that they bring good news that will bring great joy to all people, not just to the shepherds, not just to Mary and Joseph, not just to the town of Bethlehem, but to all people. Joyful, all ye nations rise, because today, this very day, in the town of David, a Messiah is born. A Savior has come. The Messiah, the Lord. Now, the shepherds are in awe, as I assume any of us would be. 
if a heavenly host of angels showed up. And usually when a new king or queen is born, people have been expecting it. They've been waiting for the baby's arrival. So in the past like six or seven years, there have been four royal babies born in Britain. And every time a royal baby is born, there are these droves of royal watchers that gather and wait. They're taking bets and waiting for that baby to be born, right? So this is the crowd outside of Buckingham Palace waiting for Meghan Markle's baby and Prince Harry's baby, Archie. And then this next one, this is the media. Can you imagine? She just had a baby. Can you imagine coming out of the hospital to that? This is the crowd outside of the hospital after... uh, William and Kate's baby, Prince George, was born. And this baby is very likely a future king. But when the king of all kings, the king of heaven, was born, no crowds were waiting for him. At least no crowds on earth were waiting for him. On earth, there were no royal watchers taking bets on the delivery date or the baby's name. Very few people had any idea that a special baby was coming. We know that Mary and Joseph had inside information from their own angelic encounters, but we don't know who they told or what they told, and I can only imagine that there was some skepticism among their friends and family. And the shepherds were certainly not waiting anxiously for the birth of a king. They were doing their jobs and minding their own business when the news arrived. And it probably looked something like this. Those are actual shepherds living in a field and tending their flocks. Now, that's a little bit different than the birth of the British royals. And of all things, these shepherds were told that the baby would be wrapped in swaddling cloths, just like one of their children might have been, and lying in a manger of hay. The grandest birth announcement of all time, from a heavenly host of angels, delivered to a group of shepherds in a field, just hanging out, doing their jobs, and the news of this awesome birth was followed by, you will find this glorious baby swaddled like a peasant in the feeding trough of a regular home. It's a staggering juxtaposition, but it also tells us so much about who Jesus is. Listen to how Wesley goes on to describe the newborn king. First he states God and sinners, and that's us, are reconciled. Then Christ, by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail, the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with man to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. This is God in the flesh. Now, flesh is another weird word that I don't use a lot, but we use it a lot at Christmas. I probably use flesh more than hark, but again, like I can't think of a context where I would talk about flesh. But... You know, Christians are weird. We say, we say it a lot at Christmas. We say things like, God in the flesh, and God became flesh. And the one I think is so weird, God put on flesh. <laughs> but in that baby, the shepherds saw God. The God of the universe was veiled by the tiny body of a newborn baby. How is that even possible? And that alone should have us sitting in wonder. And it's a reminder that this baby the shepherds went to find was not just a special baby, not even just a royal baby, but this baby was God the Messiah. The baby lying in the hay is the same Jesus who walked on water. He's the same Jesus who healed the sick and raised the dead. And everything exists in and through and because of that Jesus. You know, Christmas, we love the baby thing, right? 
It's astounding that God came into our world this way, the most human way and the most helpless way. But I think that sometimes in our focus on the little baby Jesus, the promised baby, the long-awaited baby, we end up like the royal baby watchers cooing and ooing over the cuteness of the baby because babies are the sweetest thing in the universe. But this newborn is the same God who actually spoke the universe into existence and holds it all together by his will. This baby is Jesus. And this is Jesus who preached to the crowds of thousands, who hung on the cross for our salvation, who resurrected from the dead the first fruit of all of us who will one day join us in that resurrection. This is the lamb that was slain, the light of the world, and the word that was in the beginning. But in this moment, this Jesus is a swaddled baby, fresh from his mother's body and new to the world. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. We often separate these images of Jesus in our mind, but it's all the same Jesus. And our friend Charles Wesley gets that right. Born to raise the sons and daughters of earth. Born to give them second birth. When Jesus is on the cross, he utters the words, It is finished. And as I've been preparing for Christmas all week, I just keep thinking about the words, it has begun. The birth of Jesus starts the end of the story in motion. The wheels are turning because he's here now. In the birth of Jesus, we are already looking forward to the resurrection of Jesus. And in the resurrection of Jesus, we are already looking forward to our own resurrection and the redemption of all things. And the funny thing about God's timing is that it seems so very slow. How long do we wait for this baby? How long do we continue to wait? But from God's perspective, things aren't quite so linear and long. In that moment that Jesus enters into the world, in that moment that he takes his first breath, the ending begins. And while no crowds were gathered here on earth waiting for the royal baby, the heavenly crowds were gathered in song, praising the newborn king, because they understood what his birth meant. The angels knew that the time had come and the end had begun, that the wheels were set in motion. The shepherds went, and what they saw was amazing, because they had been told by angels, but they saw a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a bed of hay. But the angels saw the great joy that this baby would bring to all people and to everything. A couple of nights ago, I took my kids to see some local Christmas lights, went to this house in our town where you tune your car radio to the station and they play the songs and the lights flash. So at one point during this light show, the lights dimmed and the radio started to broadcast that clip from the Charlie Brown Christmas where Linus is reciting. Um, And it's that passage that we read this morning. So when Charlie Brown asks him, what is Christmas all about? Linus recites the story of the angels and the shepherds. So I'm going to play the clip for you now as a reminder. You've probably seen it, but let's take a look. I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds. 
abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So I sat there in my car in the dark, listening to 2,000-year-old scripture being read by a cartoon character while a 300-year-old hymn was playing in the background and lights programmed by a computer were flashing on and off. And I thought, this is crazy. (laughs) This is a staggering juxtaposition, right? But it's not more staggering than the angelic announcement of the royal birth made to a group of poor shepherds about a baby in a manger. So we've now heard the story three times during this service. We had Sophia and Dahlia and Waka read it beautifully for us. I love that. Uh, We heard Linus read it. I read it. We've probably heard it hundreds of times. I've heard it hundreds of times. I would bet there are probably people in this room who could recite it from memory without trying too hard. And that's part of our challenge. We've heard this story so many times that we are in danger of forgetting to listen and to pay attention. Hark. Hark. The stories become so familiar that we don't even hear the message of the angels anymore. We sing the hymns from memory without thinking. We don't stop to see God veiled in flesh. We might remember that this is good news for us, but do we remember that it's good news for all people? And we celebrate the moment in time, the little baby Jesus, without keeping our eyes on the end of this story, the resurrection of our Lord. The king has been born, a king for all people, And if Jesus is our king, then we are called to follow him. When we listen to the angels, we hear the message that he's our king. And that means that we should turn from whatever we are following and follow our king. That's repentance, right? To turn and change direction. It's a radical surrender to Jesus as our king. When we listen to the angels, we believe their message When we accept Jesus as our king, we turn from whatever else we've been following, and we follow Jesus. Christmas is an invitation. It's an invitation to repentance, because our king has been born, and it's begun. Joyful all ye nations, rise. Rise and join in the triumph of heaven. Sing praises, because in his great love, God has sent us a savior, and that savior came into the world gasping for air and searching for the warmth of his mother. And with the birth of our king, the restoration of all things has begun. So let's turn this season and let's follow him. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to our newborn king. Let's pray. God, we praise you for who you are, for what you've done, for what you are doing, and what you will do. We thank you for this time to remember that you sent your son to the world, 
that you became flesh for us and that you saved us through giving up your life. Thank you for the gift of salvation, for the promise of resurrection, for the day that you will restore all things. Help us to keep our eyes on that during this very busy season. Help us to find peace in your promises and to know that we always have hope in you because you have come to be with us. Be with us this day in Jesus' name. Amen.